The following content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Hello, everyone. My name is Marina Sprocky Spriggs, and I'm the host of Always Another Way podcast. I have a master's in professional counseling, and I'm the Ippy award-winning author of Stop Looking for a Husband, Find the Love of Your Life, and Nasty Divorce, A Kid's Eye View. I write positive divorce advice for the HuffPost, and I'm trained in clinical hypnosis. And this podcast speaks to out-of-the-box thinkers, and it's for those who hear the call of hope and Always Another Way. And if you're very rigid and set in your beliefs, this is probably not your cup of tea. However, you should note, taste can and do change. And I just want to thank everyone. This is actually yesterday was the anniversary of the first year of another Always Another Way podcast. I had 57 episodes last year. Today is number 58. And there is so much wonderful information out there that I would love it if you could listen to. And if you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes. Search up Always Another Way, two L's, because it's all things another way. Subscribe, rate it if you feel, five stars if you really feel. And um, that way, the podcast moves up in the rankings. We get bigger on the charts and more people can hear this absolutely amazing information that you might not hear anywhere else. And I'm betting that you have not heard of, or maybe some of you have, what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about our guest before I bring her on. Danielle Thornton started her career in medical biologic sales, and she worked in that field for almost 10 years. She found these environments could easily add stress and discomfort to people who were already facing a challenging experience. So in order to find a solution, she first needed to find a way to manage her own stress and overall feeling of dissatisfaction with life that no external life circumstance could seem to soothe. This prompted her journey into studying ancient wisdom and science to uncover a deeper authenticity, peace, balance, healing, and fulfillment. Combining her love of enriching travel experiences with education, she has spent many years extensively studying yoga, meditation, pranayama, somatic bodywork, mindfulness, energy medicine, consciousness, Reiki, and healing touch, both abroad and locally. And a few years ago, she was presented with the opportunity to work for a few people who had serious illnesses and were facing their own mortality. In working with them, she saw a clear need that she could easily fill to help enrich their lives at the end of life. And it was at this point that she started Staranna. Looking back, all of her work and life experiences have perfectly prepared her for her journey. She has had the call to help people who are suffering or dying since childhood. 
It's her mission to ultimately improve the quality of life and health of her clients, even if they only have one day, minute, or second left on this earth. It's her intention to continuously learn and teach the discerning art of when to let go and surrender, when to stand strong in peace, and how to best improvise whatever life brings us. And so please welcome to the show, Danielle Thornton. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. Okay. So as we begin, we're going to be talking about um, an end-of-life doula. And many of you, I'm sure, I didn't know what this was until recently. So we're just going to start. And Danielle, if you could just explain to us what an end-of-life doula is, and then we'll kind of backtrack from there. Mm -hmm. So an end-of-life doula bridges the gap between the healthcare team and the family for the person who is facing death. Um, studies say that only 5% of time that a person spends with their healthcare team, including hospice services, um, or excuse me, are only 5% of their time spent. Yeah. And so they spend a lot of time alone. And so you can imagine facing end of life, facing death, going through, you know, experiences of looking back on your life and it can, it can be intense for a lot of people. And so what an end-of-life doula does is it provi we provide an extra layer of support for um, the family of the person dying as well as the person dying. I love that. And because truthfully, nobody really talks about death because we don't want to die. Yeah, it's a taboo subject. But we all do. Mm -hmm. Or well... We're dying right now. Everybody, as we speak. Everybody, everybody does. We don't know anybody who's lived for forever, or yeah. at least not that I know. Yeah. And so, uh, tell us how you know. Let's go back. How did you get on this journey? Let's sort of you know work from there. Okay. Um, well, it's funny because when people ask me that question, it's like, how much do you want to know? Because um, since childhood, I've been very um, fascinated with death. I've always gone towards death towards old people, towards seniors, and I really hold a very special place in my heart for um, the elderly population. I feel like they have a lot of wisdom to share, and I think that they deserve um, a quality of life that, um, you know, here in the United States, we don't necessarily, I mean, think, I think we're getting better, but we don't necessarily um, res have a lot of respect for the aging. We're a youth-obsessed culture. Yeah. That might be funny by coming from someone who's fairly young, yeah. but I'm just, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And we are pretty attached to youth and um, the material world, really, you know, and anything. And we resist change. We resist, um, it's just part of the human condition, yeah. you know, of like wanting to survive. I mean, it's just we're wired that way. Um, so I got into it. Uh, well, I, when I was in wound care biologic sales, I was going into nursing homes on a regular basis. I was going into the VA. I was around people who were either on hospice or tremendously suffering, really just going through really difficult time, physical suffering, emotional suffering, PTSD, you know, all of the, all of the things that you might imagine that someone might come across in those settings. Yeah. Um, and it really, it, it tore me apart watching, watching it. And I, I truly felt like I needed to do something about it. But I was like, how can I do something about it if I don't know what I'm doing myself? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, you know, in that time of my life, um, it was definitely part of the journey. I don't regret it. I learned so much. But 
um, there was a deep sense of unfulfillment. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety in my daily life. Um, and so I actually went through, I was, it was almost like life had forced me to make a change. I'm uh -huh. sure we all can relate to that. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had lost my, I lost my job in a layoff and, um, had ended like a six year relationship and all in one year, you know. Oh yeah, and, that's two big things. <laughs> yeah, it was like my whole life um, had really changed, and it sent me into basically a um, a spiral. I was afraid and desperate and very fearful, and um, I had already signed up for my yoga teacher training before I had lost my job, and so I proceeded in, in going to the training in uh, Bali. And um, in yoga, you know, one of the poses that we practice is called Shavasana. My fave. Yes, my too. <laughs> it's the best. And it's actually also known as corpse pose. And, um, you know, in, in the training that I went through, um, Shavasana is seen as one of the most advanced poses um, in yoga because the Western mind cannot handle stillness. Oh yeah, <laughs> know this too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get really uncomfortable when it comes to that stillness, yeah. and we um, oftentimes, along with that, get uncomfortable with letting go and surrendering control, mm -hmm. and that's what that pose asks of you. And so um, that was that was part of the journey. Um, I, I was teaching for about you know four years, and then I had um, actually two women come into my life. Both hired me in the same week, um, who were both dying. One knew that she was in the process. The other did not know it was as close. Mm -hmm. And it just felt I, I can't even describe it other than it felt like it felt very right to help these people through their process and, and during um, their process. And then even after they died, it became even more and more apparent that I was able to help them on a level that was very deep um, through my training in yeah. yoga and Reiki and meditation. And really through just being a peaceful and calm, non-judgmental, supportive presence for them. Um, I find that finding full acceptance for someone and allowing them to be where they're at without trying to fix them yeah. is very healing. And, you know, a lot of times not many people, you know, we see someone suffering and we immediately want to fix it and yeah. make it better. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it's... Uh, it's supporting in a different way. When you can't not make somebody not die. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I, you know, it's one thing um, to, yeah. I'll say that I think that I see a lot of families that they don't want their loved one to die. Of course, mm -hmm. they love their loved one. They sure. don't know what they're going to do without their loved one. And so they do everything they can so that their loved one doesn't die. And sometimes that can cause more suffering mm -hmm. on the loved one. And the loved one's like, hey, just leave me alone. I just want to rest and, and just stop going to the emergency room every two, you know, two days. And, um, and so I think that's where hospice and palliative care can come in. You know, it's not definitely not like a death sentence, but really it's just to help 
the person experiencing um, the the experience of dying to um, just be a little bit more at ease. And that's where the end of life doula um, can come in and as well to assist in that process. Nice. Um, and so from there, I uh, decided to start volunteering at a local hospice. Um, and I did that for about a year. And as I was doing that, I was really just doing my own research. Um, how do I fit in this equation? As an end-of-life doula, what does that even mean for me? Because um, end-of-life doula work is different than other areas of um, expertise in that each end-of-life doula is going to have different set of gifts and experience and offerings that they provide. And so um, I was trying to find out how my training can fit in that role. And what I found is not only were the patients very responsive to me who were in hospice, but also their families really looked forward to having me come because it was a relief um, for them sure. because they could see the sense of peace that their loved one would have after our sessions. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. And then I decided that I needed to solidify this and create a business, right? So um, really the end of life doula work and role kind of came to me. I feel like it was always there all along my entire life. I just had to kind of dig and peel back some layers to discover that. Yeah. And then all the experiences that lead up to all the... Yes. Until you're finally there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then let's talk a little bit more. And we were talking before about what things that people do experience during that end of life mm -hmm. and breath and all this kind of interesting stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we're born, right, when the, the moment we're born, we take an inhale in, right? And when we die, the last breath is an exhale. It's not an inhale. Yeah. So... And everything in between birth and death, you know, the, the animating force that keeps us alive in, you know, in our physical body is the breath. Yeah. And um, one of the practices, one of the major practices in yoga, it's called pranayama, which is basically breath work. Um, it teaches us how to have stewardship over our breath because our breath has the power to really control our nervous system. And it has the power to either get us into overdrive, into that fight or flight side of the nervous system where we're anxious and we're stressed and we're fighting, or we can come into that other side of the nervous system, which is known as the parasympathetic. And that's when we're able to rest and digest and surrender and let go and be calm. And so the breath is very powerful, not just at end of life, but throughout our life. Sure. And um, I find that the more we can be and find that sense of calm within ourselves, the more empowered we become, the less fearful we can become, um, the more present we can be in our life. And so um, I believe that breath is one of the most powerful tools that we have. We just don't always use it. Right. And what's so interesting is you don't know until you do that and slow down that breath to really feel that like, 
Yeah, the difference of what that really, really, truly is. And then in anybody who's experienced anxiety, then you know what that, you know, feels like a heart attack and just like it's that shallow breathing. Yeah. And, you know, you can get out of an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. with your breath. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And even when I'm working with people who are, you know, at end of life that they can't move much, but they can hear me and they can feel their breath. And, you know, we might not be able to deepen the breath by like, you know, 50%, but even if we can use the power of the mind to deepen the breath and just kind of relax deeper into our hearts and feeling the belly and feeling the feet and not necessarily feeling all the breath in our chest, that in and of itself can be really powerful. So, um, yeah, and and extending the exhales, you know, just as we extend our exhales, that's our opportunity in each moment. From a physical level, we're literally releasing toxins and carbon, carbon dioxide. Yeah. And we're also allowing energy to move through us, to release, to exit things that we no longer need. As we inhale, we're taking in life. We're taking in oxygen. We're taking in vitality and spaciousness. And so I truly believe that the quality of our breath can oftentimes be equivalent to the quality of life. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. Where else do you think we should kind of just roll from there? Yeah. Well, the thing that comes to me too is you had asked, you know, what is the experience of someone dying? Um, Well, I'm living right now. Mm. (laughs) And so... uh, I can only speak as to what I've seen and why I think this work can be so powerful at end of life. And that's because nine times out of 10, not all the time, it depends on the person and how they live their life and um, everyone's different, but facing end of life, it brings about a sense of openness and vulnerability in someone who might have been totally not open and like really rigid in their beliefs and just not open to change their entire life. Um, I've seen, I've been with a lot of clients of mine who were admittedly, you know, resistant to change, mm-hmm. not wanting to open to something different, not really being accepting of different people or beliefs or cultures. Um, and at the end of their life, they begin to see things from a different perspective and that really none of that matters because of that. And I think it's because of that vulnerability. You're, you're, you're at the most vulnerable place in your life. For sure. You know? And so it leaves this uh, window and uh, that's open for change and transformation and healing to occur. Um, you know, I, I think that our body and our minds, we even though if we don't remember, we always, our bodies always remember everything that's happened in our life, whether that be joy, sadness, trauma, unprocessed emotions, mm-hmm. and I find that also at end of life, it's a beautiful opportunity to assist people in processing what's unprocessed. And what a real gift that has to be to just, you know, and I think too, just generationally, you know, it was a stuffed emotion 
-hmm. don't show feelings for mm -hmm. a lot of people and keep it stuffed too with that that maybe have led people in their lives to not talk to family members or have grudges that they hold long or just do things, you know, do bad things and then feel shame and don't mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness or seek to make change. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and I was just thinking as you were talking about that with people, do you find that when they get to that point where this vulnerability opens up and they can see things differently, what, what change do you see in them and does that help them just you know, open that door to go. Absolutely. Um, the change that I see in people that have these sorts of experiences who are open enough to, to let the light in, so to speak, <laughs> and to forgive themselves and to forgive others and to learn to love more deeply. It, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. So there was this one man and he was like one of my first clients. And um, I first met him and he wasn't really open to working with me. He was like, I have my medical, medical team. I don't really need any other help. I got my, you know, all this, all, my pain meds and everything, right? Nothing wrong with pain meds, yeah. you know, but, um, he didn't think that he could benefit from my help. Yeah. Um, and so he was pretty, pretty, pretty closed off and, um, you know, basically admitted to me that he was closed and that he, is, has made peace with the fact that the material world and making money his whole life is what his life was about. And nothing wrong with making money, right? I'm yeah. not hating on that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when that becomes the whole object of your life, it can be a bit empty. Yeah. And so I went back the next week and he was a little bit more open to working with me and we started doing some breathing. I started working with him on Reiki and kind of working with, uh, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Reiki, it's a Japanese form of energy healing. It helps to bring healing and balance to the, more, to the subtle body. Um, and so anyway, he became more open and he all of a sudden, you know, is saying that he feel he's never felt this way. He's feels like he's floating on a cloud and his pain is free. He feels free uh -huh. and he starts crying. And he said it was like the first time that he's cried in who, who knows however many years. Right. I bet. Right. And then um, I worked with him for, I believe it was maybe about a month before he died. But the thing that was so profound was that as his body was dying and as, as he was becoming more and more thin, I mean, he was looking more and more sick, his spirit and the light in his eyes became more and more well. Wow. And he was bright. And the last time I saw him before he passed, he was crying again because of all of the grace and love that he felt in that time of his life that he had never felt in his life before wow. and, and true uh, joy that was coming from inside. And a whole lifetime of how old was he? He was, I don't know exactly, but um, I think he was like in his late sixties. Yeah. So 60 some years of stuffing and holding but to have that experience of just in a month's time, and maybe did you see him like four times? I saw him maybe four or five times. Four or five times to make that much of a life shift. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is a gift and a half. 
<laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, and not every single person I'll work with is going to be that open, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it might not be that drastic, but sometimes it really is. And um, I try to meet people with where they're at. I, I don't try to force anything on anyone or, you know, if they're open, I'll walk through the door and work with them. And then they open the door a little more and I work with them a little more, you know. Um, but yeah, it was um, that and among many others were just, I've, I've experienced so many profound um, experience just second-handedly through watching people through their process that I feel like the people I work with are just continuously teaching me more and more and more. And I just, you know, I feel so grateful to just be in that position to witness it. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. And what else do you think people need to know about, about all of this end of life doula dying and things that you do? Yeah. Too? So, um, the work that I do, I don't just work with people who are dying or in hospice. Um, my whole business is for healing support for people who are going through major life transitions. And so I believe that every single life change can be like a dress rehearsal for death, you know? And so um, I work with people who are going through divorce. I've working with people who have serious illness and that are, they're fighting for their life. You know, they're going to the, they're getting treatments and trying to to get get past the disease that they have um and yeah just anyone who even people who are trying to to evolve and grow spiritually um that's a change you know that requires a sense of letting go you don't have to wait to die to have a mental shift you do not have to wait to die to have a mental shift although death can be a very powerful place to do that but um you know, the way I think about it is why wait until the very end of life to learn how to move through change? Because life is change with more grace and ease yeah. because it's possible. You know, we just have to open up and allow ourselves to do it and then use the tools that we have available in order to move through those changes. I love that. Yeah. And then now can we? Well, what else do we want to say about that? Maybe we can move into... Let's see. See what you got in your notes there. Let, let, let me see. I have oh, have good stuff. I just, um, I just love all this work that you do. And just yeah. a side note while she's looking. So I've been to... Um, Danielle does stretch and Reiki classes at the Refuge Meditation Studio in Fair Park, Dallas. And that's where I first met her. And I just like to say she's magic. Because <laughs> she is. <laughs> but... The amazing just the and you have, I mean you have to pre-sign for these classes. That's what a hot ticket she is. But just what you feel in this one hour class, and everybody's on their own journey of what they're doing, even if it's just to, you know, relax and get an hour mm -hmm. of just like letting the body rest, but absolutely amazing. Thank I mean you. amazing, amazing. I amazing. love teaching that class. You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I guess the other, the other part of what I wanted to, I guess the last thing to talk about really is I just want to encourage everyone, um, to allow themselves to practice the art of letting go in each moment. Oh. And really that's the practice of presence too, you know, and like being here and now a lot of times our mind is stuck in the past or projecting into the future. Either one causes depression or anxiety. It takes us out of connection 
to ourselves, to the person we're with, to the world around us. And um, it's in those moments of connection and true presence with ourselves. It starts right there, right? That um, we're really able to deepen um, into the richness of what life has to offer. So I think that's where some of these, and you know, if you have a, a meditation class or any kind of any kind of class that resonates with you, um, I'm going to encourage you to explore that mindfulness. There's a whole movement right now, you know, a lot of things happening, um, and so I want to encourage you if you feel the call to to explore it, yeah, and get get out of the comfort zone and. Yeah. So what do you, what do you do personally? So something life hits you with mm-hmm. a little something, what do you do to kind of get yourself back into that letting go present moment? Yeah. I have a whole bunch of things mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'll do. Um, I really, one of the things that first hits me is so grounding my energy. Um, I'll go outside and just walk in my back backyard barefoot, feel the sunshine on my face and really just connect my feet into the earth or I'll lie down and just allow my body to be fully supported by the ground underneath me. Because if you think about it, when we're going through a shift or a big change, it literally feels like the ground underneath you is yeah. is no longer there. You're kind of free falling. You're like, where's my ground, right? Yeah. And so that's normal. But what we can do is we can connect to that sense of steadiness that's always there underneath us. And with that, we deepen our faith and deepen our trust. Um, that There is stability there, although things might not feel stable right now. Right. Um, and then also surrendering into the unknown. As, you know, as I go through change in my life, it's like letting go of old patterns of unhealthy habits or ways of thinking or ways of being. Um, you know, it's that process of letting go. I think that for me, the hardest thing about the process of letting go is like, oh, but I don't know what's around the corner. I can't see. I don't know what's next, you know? So, um, I find that's where- This is so comfortable. This (laughs) thing I've been doing. This unhealthy habit is so comfortable. I'm just going to cling to that, you know? (laughs) But, um, so I find that really finding that stabilization and that ground um, through meditation, through grounding. Um, I love taking salt baths. Um, any that, that can be very grounding and calming. Um, I have a regular yoga practice uh, that I go to just to kind of release stress and pent up energy and um, imbalances in my physical body. Just taking care of myself really from a physiological perspective as well eating eating well feeding my body food that's going to fuel me mm-hmm. um, rather than drag me down um playing with my dogs uh let's see i do have a um yeah a regular like i think i said it before but regular meditation practice getting lots of sleep um nature nature and lots of science on grounding too and connecting with the earth. Yes, well. a lot of science on that. It's not just some kind of woo-woo, you know, out there um, practice. It's a real thing. Yeah, real thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So those are the things that I can think of right now. I like to go to King Spa as well. That's yeah. one of my favorite places and just lie in the water and 
go into the, all the hot rooms and sweat out mm-hmm. toxins and things like that. I like that place too. Yeah. So now if everybody is looking to find you, mm-hmm. where can we, I, I know, I know you're definitely at the refuge meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where else are you? How can they find you? Your website? And we're going to put it all in the show notes too. So you'll have access. You can find any, everything and anything about Danielle that you want. So, um, yeah, my website, www.sterana.com. I was mispronouncing that. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> um, and my email is Danielle, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E at Sterana.com. And we'll also be, um, I'm not sure it's been released yet, but Rachel and I at The Refuge are going to team up to do a series of um, healing transitions and meditation workshops. Nice. It'll be once a month, January through April, um, and the dates will be released soon. So yeah, sign, that's one that you would need to sign up for ahead of time as well, just to make sure that we um, don't get too overboard because we can't. It's only Just two of us. Spots. Yeah. <laughs> There's only two of us working. So, yeah. Well, and well, we like for it to be intimate. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you just so very much for just being on the show. You are really just a true gift and just such a wonderful person. Thank you. And, um, and it's really, you know, thinking about death. Uh, and I think about it in the ways of, well, in, and I don't want to die, or but like the things <laughs> I want to do, you know, to and to accomplish and be that kind of keeps for myself personally. Mm-hmm. Um, helps me with that fear of change is what if I die and I don't change and yeah. then this is where I'm at that's that's how I kind of motivate myself but to know that that scary thing that we are all going to go through that you can have just this extraordinary amount of healing and peace and change mm-hmm. is just wow it's available yeah. for everyone for everyone yeah and a lot of these things and just the the grounding and the breathing and things you can just do right now. You don't need, don't need anybody (laughs) but yourself. And in another way, fashion, like with this and everything else, until you try it, you don't really know. And none of these things will hurt you. So you can try them. And if it's not your deal, it's not your deal. But I bet you will find that when you open yourself up, to special healing things and things that Danielle offers, that you will find a space that you never even imagined before. And you'll feel things that you've never felt before. And they're all going to be good. So thank you so very much for being on the show and sharing your gifts with everybody. And for all of you listening, you know that there is always another way. Mm -hmm.